Magic Without Fears Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk So, speaking of podcasts, welcome to the podcast and Magic Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. Daniel Rekshan, I'm Frater RC, and uh, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for space. having me. Yeah. I love your, uh, your outer space background. We are just chatting about that a bit before. And... Uh, yeah, so I've I've been uh, I've been uh, trying to dream well. Great. There's this app called the Dreamwell app. Have you heard of it? Oh, I have. I, I use it to sleep well, dream well, and be well. Uh, and it's actually it's actually improved my dream recall frequency and motivation around. And I, I'm I'm serious. The streak gets me going. We do a streak tracker. So I'm the chief dream officer of Dreamwell, and. Uh, uh, we've installed like um, like streak trackers, like oh you you're you, you checked in with us every morning, uh, and now I, I have a little bit of a streak. I, I get off sometimes because my baby, um, but yeah, glad. Yeah, I, I, your voice sounds remarkably similar to the Velveteen Rabbits. Yeah, yeah. Which well, that's actually my twin brother. My twin oh, brother really? recorded the Velveteen Rabbit. I record uh Henri Bergson I uh, Aristotle I've got some other like more esoteric stuff around dreams because I, I did a deep dive into like what do the old, old uh western classicists kind of say about dreams so I read all of those uh and they, they sort of like, are like all right this is great but let's have more palatable sort of stories as well um so my brother does that he does this sleepy um story te- uh sleep techniques too so he he was a sleep scientist for a while and he's done the like he goes like and now we're going to do the sort of scientific sleep-based techniques and i end up doing the um, uh, the dream-based stuff where i'm inviting you onto a journey it's imaginal it's wonderful you're connecting with dream characters so i, I think that's been a setup actually from before life to do this work together and bring it forward yeah yeah, that's very cool to get to work with your brother uh, 
on, yeah. on being so creative. Um, I, I really thought it was your voice, actually, of course, because uh, I was so I'm lying in bed, having a try, hard time sleeping. I've been uh, on these antibiotics and it's just mm. crashing me. So if I look worn out, I yeah, antibiotics. I don't know what they do besides the thing that you want them to do, but it's not good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the thing you, they, I want them to do is very good. Um, the rest, uh, um, <laughs> so I haven't been sleeping well. Um, but this is the last day of them, so yay. Um, yeah, so I listened to the Velveteen Rabbit. I uh, was having a tr trouble another night, um, and the office didn't do the trick, so I put on the, uh, the White Noise Binaural Beats one. What is up with that? Like, I've done some binaural beats magical work in the past with some courses by Jason Augustus Newcomb and his New Hermetics. And, but what is up? So when, when I put on the white noise beats, uh, white noise binaural beats, I believe that I'm calling it yep. right. And this is actually one of the free qualities on the app because I've started with the beginning. I wanted to be able to tell people what I thought of it, right? I've already told all my students and friends what I think uh, so far, and I look forward to keep exploring it because it's dreams, okay. it's very interesting. And sleep is yummy. Um, yeah. If we can improve that, oh yeah. I'm hoping we'll get some good advice from you on this uh, that you haven't already said a million times other places, if that's possible. Oh yeah, so uh, I heard questions around sleeping well, what uh, advice around that in the binaural beats. So what's going on with the binaural beats? Um, yeah, what's up with that one first? Because that, that yeah. directly affects me. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that was that track actually was produced by my other brother, who coincidentally is like a musical for like does music. He's he's been on. Um, he did the audio for like a whole bunch of movies and TV stuff. So he's doing our audio now. And it's like, it's just so beautiful to be working with my, uh, my brothers who are like professionally credentialed and good at, at these things to, to be serving the community um, of, for dreaming and sleeping. But with uh, Binaro Beats, so the idea is um, <clears throat> you got one tone in one ear, one tone in another ear. They're slightly different. So there's um, a sort of, uh, resonant kind of wave thing happening. So you, you'll have something like 10 Hertz. Another is 15 Hertz. The difference is four Hertz. So four cycles, that difference it, if you target that difference to be, uh, associated with any of the sleep phases or mindfulness phases, or like, um, and I'm in terms of the numbers, I, I really, it's like, gotta look at the charts every time I talk about it. So, um, but it's something like that. So in each of the different sleep tracks, right, there's a specific frequency that's targeted that's supposed to, they call it entrainment. So brainwave entrainment. So the idea is that when people are in deep meditation or deep sleep, they send off a specific wave uh, if we, when you put it on EEG. And that's like four hertz. That's like 10 hertz or whatever. So when you do the thing with the different the difference of hertz, the 10 hertz versus 15 hertz, the difference is five hertz. The brain now creates a sound that hears this wah, wah, wah quality um, that is not present actually in the music. So the brain is creating that. And then in some way, shape or form, it act, the brain waves get entrained to that frequency. And in that way, it's sort of inviting you into a deeper experience. Um, so yeah, that's the mechanics around binaural beats. The white noise is a little bit, uh, we bring that in sort of as a 
container for it, basically. Um, it blocks out other sound. Um, I think of it often in terms of the Gansfeld telepathy test, actually. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but... Um, is that one of the ones... Yeah, is it one of the ones in Russell Targ's work or something? Yeah, it could. I, I, that sounds about right. It's, uh, it's a famous telepathy test from the 60s, and it was like used a lot. If you ever see pictures of like people like lying in these weird chairs with like ping pong balls over their eyes, that is what's going on. Okay, um, no, I haven't seen that. Do tell. <laughs> so, um, so there was like this uh, parapsychologist discovered, right? Like uh, there was a guy, I believe his name was Gansfeld. He went, he was an Arctic explorer. He went up to the north and uh, in this snow field, right? So there's snow coming down. You can't see horizon. Everything's uniformly lit. The snow is coming down by the sun. So it's just this absolute field of light. They start hallucinating. Um, so they start seeing all these things and that's called the Gansfeld effect. So then the parapsychologists cut these ping pong balls, put them over the eyes and then shine lights on that. So it recreates this uniform field of vision. Uh, and then they use that state to uh, have a passive receiver receive images and then they'll have somebody else like send images to them based on these like double blind card things um and that's how that's one of the like classic telepathy test experiences um i think of the white noise as something like the gansfeld effect so you can start hearing things that might not be there or start opening your the, because of the presence of sense your mind really wants to make sense of it it's like there's a fancy word for like seeing faces and things uh, like bumpers of cars that look happy or sad, right? And so our mind is pattern, pattern establishing. And in that process, somehow this communication is happening. Um, so th that's, I mean, that's, that's a little bit of a tangent to the white noise and binaural beat, but I think of its potential as inviting in of the, the dream space. And um, as you know, we can encounter different beings and things like that through dreams and in interactions. So that's kind of like a gateway experience. And um, the gateway experience actually was put forward. Uh, some of the science is put out by uh, Robert Monroe and the Monroe Institute produced a series of uh, experiences called the gateway experience. It's also called Hemisync. These are associated with the CIA remote viewing um, Project Stargate and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I actually rewatched Third Eye Spies like uh, just a little while ago, just to because uh, I knew there was more in it than I absorbed the first time. Uh, it was actually quite. It's a quite a well done documentary on those projects, right? Uh, there's probably better documentaries out there, like on Bit Shoot or something that are eight hours long that I just haven't found yet, but I'll find them yeah. one day. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating stuff to me. Like. Uh, I mean, these are things that, well, like so many things that we uh, don't talk about yet that we know technically are real in our countries, right? You know, I mean, less so, uh, we have a little less of this stuff in Canada than, than down in the States. You are in the States, right? Correct. Uh, I am from the States. I'm actually in Canada right now. I have a Canadian wife. Uh, we moved to Canada uh, uh a year ago, two years ago, um, back from being, we were digital nomads before that, before Wonderful. COVID. Yeah. So, uh, uh, when they were still, when, when that lifestyle was legal. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So now we, now we live in a house together. We have a baby. We're like we're, in Canada. Yeah. In Canada. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In British Columbia, in, um, outside of Cranbrook in Kimberly. 
Um, no kidding. You're just outside Cranbrook? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You're just down the road uh, 20 hours. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, You're I'm in, in Vancouver, Vancouver, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just like to joke up with, with, my, with my American friends about how, uh, you know, the size of Canada. It's, it's, it's hard to wrap your head around until you actually have to get on a train from Vancouver to Edmonton for 30 hours to get there. Yep. And then you're like, oh, it's big, big. Like, yeah. Big, big. Like that's the distance. I, in that time, you could drive from Vancouver to LA and back. Yep. That's how long it takes for us to transit to our next major city. Yep. It's huge. <laughs> it's, you know, I keep saying we need more people in more cities, but I'll leave that for a, a different guest. Yeah. I don't know, maybe you have a recommendation, but yeah. So welcome to British Columbia. I'm very glad that you're uh, enjoying a beautiful area you must be in, uh, assuming you don't burst into flames this summer like Lytton did. So fingers crossed there. Yeah. Um, I mean, that yeah. seriously, we, we know we know the beings to work with, don't we? We know the beings to work with. Yep. The celestial beings, right? It's always a trip to see people show me the book. I've got this here. And like, this wow. is the book. It's a real book. It's called Book of Galactic Light for everyone listening. Liber Lux Galactica by Daniel Rection and some other bumps. Oh, sorry. And Celestial Beings. <laughs> Forgive me, beings. Um, and it's a, it's a thick little beautiful book. And uh, I like on the back, it says an Enochian apocalypse working for the galactic age. And I love the, uh, you know, the this intersecting circles vesica pisces symbol really good really good symbol there um but you are taking we're gonna and we're gonna talk about what you've been doing with enochian magic in this book because when when i showed i knew that this would be so much fun to show people the cover and be like this is all about enochian magic like the whole thing and they would they wouldn't believe me they'd be like wait what it's like being slapped in the face and it is like and it's like in the best way you're like, I'm awake now. I'm awake. Okay, give me that. Let me see that. Right. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's a very, very fine work of channeling, which I'm uh, both a, you know, longtime consumer of, practitioner of, and critic of, as right. I hope all of us who are in that realm are. But, you know, if all you want to do is grab the, uh, you know, the, 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 why, the yod heh vav -Hey book, what's, it, what's the actual name of that? It's the Book of Light. That channeling book, big hardcover, YHWH. I'm not. I'm not oh, sure. Are you talking you about that Keys one? of Enoch? Yeah, I no, think this that's is what, what I wanted. That's, that's why I'm so excited. You yeah, gotta... that's what it's called. Sorry, I should know. It's called the Keys of Enoch, except okay. I, I dislike it so much that <laughs> I I blank out on its names. But it's right over. Keys here of Enoch by the Hertogs, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. I, I, I despise that book and I don't know why, but um, I do have, as I've said, mixed feelings about channeling. I think sometimes it's either, it's either right for you or it's not, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. I don't think it's about being objectively good or bad at all because it's channeled information. I mean, the main person I feel the channeled information is generally for is the person getting it or someone else present. Yeah. It's yeah. It's such a fascinating, I never thought I would be, um, talk about channeling, to be honest, uh, two years ago, 2020, I, I realized that I was moving into a phase of relating to like extraterrestrial beings or these different sources of information. And I was like, guys, 
because I was a past in, in, I, I knew that like, I have a past life regression, uh, had one done to me and I discovered, Oh, I was a channeler. I didn't do have a great life back then. I was like, okay, so I'm working with the same entities. That's fine. Guys, I'm not being a channeler this life. I'm, I'm going to be a hypnotist. That's what I told them. And they were like, sure, we'll work with you on that. And that's, and it's like, and it's like two years later, I'm like, oh, you were talking about my work like channeling. And I guess this is exactly, it's exactly what it is. Um, but it's such a funny, funny experience to come, come back to. They've got a sense of humor, uh, let's say. Um, so we need to come up if we really want to progress esotericism in academia, we need to come up with like an academic word for channeling. I don't know if there is one yet, but you know how in academia, we came up with uh, qualitative research as the term to refer to interviews with people. Yes. And people's experience of things. Like yep. if, if I'm telling you my experience of something, what that's called is qualitative research for non-academics out there, which is a beautiful title to refer to people's experience. But it, we didn't have a title for experience in academia. So it actually did need a title. And it is actually a very good title because it's about the qualities of the experience and that's a thing believe it or not um uh, despite what Karl Barth or some of our uh, more Victorian forebears of intellectual thought would have us think um yeah there's uh there's something to be said of the human experience after all absolutely absolutely <laughs> <laughs> I can't help but thinking stuff like dreams uh, intuition and deja vu are somehow meant to uh, indicate that, and yet were overlooked probably up until Henri Bergson took uh, intuition seriously. I'm not sure on the history of dreams at all. Maybe you know more about that. But um, do you know? Do you have a sense of? Um, I, I definitely want to touch on Bergson more as well. As uh, it's rare to find enough fellow lover of Henri, and uh, do you have an understanding of how? Our, our understanding of dreams have developed over like say the last 100, 150 years and what the sort of research has been. What, and I'm curious what you, if you want to also maybe share any of your background and how you came to this with people, that might be a good little uh, establishing bit for those who haven't checked you out before. Oh, sure. So um, yeah, I'm a longtime dreamer. I, uh, I started dreaming. I mean, like we all Long-time have- dreamer, uh, Longtime dreamer, longtime human. Long time dreamer, long time human. I love, I mean, I, I've been fascinated by dreams as a way of knowledge, um, primarily because of some of the more esoteric or exotic experiences associated with dreaming uh, in my life. Um, I, in terms of the lens I provide, um, I'm educated in classical liberal arts from St. John's College. This is the great book school. So we've, we study the great books. It's, it's a very small, it's the third oldest college in the nation. Uh, the United States. Uh, so it was founded before the United United States. So um, it has a long kind of tradition there. Um, it's based in classical liberal arts. So it involves a study of religion, uh, polit like history. We go back to the source texts, have conversations on them. Um, so that that provides some context because. Uh, looking at all of these different source texts like Aristotle, uh, talking about dreams, Hippocrates, um, all these different people, ancient Greeks, Latins, we all they, they all talk about dreams and interactions of dreams. The other thing is really important to know that there are like so many dreams injecting guidance into our history and politics, um, you know, even in terms of like 
decisions, like war decisions are based in dreams. And we can think back to like the um, book of the Bible, uh, book of Daniel, right? Like it's like talking like the Kings, they need, they need a dream interpreter, AKA Daniel comes in and interprets some dreams um, and provides some guidance. They take action. So it's, it's really, we've had this uh, as a human species we've had is as long as written history is this interaction with the dream world it really does present in the form of interactions with non-human intelligences either spirits or guiding forces and often also requires a process of um, dialogical interpretation uh, to make sense of and then people actually take action on it so um, when there is a capacity to take action on it, like a general or a, like a politician or whatever, the dreams show up pretty strong. And I think they're recorded in history primarily because of the significance of the person having dreamt it. Um, so that's one context. Uh, it's important to know too, like dreams, even though we don't have a lot of science behind it, they've inspired science. Like Rene Descartes had three dreams that inspired like all of his work. So that's pretty big. Um, and then the, the, the most recent sort of uh, flourishing in scientific communities are where academic are from the psychoanalysts like Freud in the turn of the last century. That's when uh, we've like, there's been discourse about dreams in a deeper way. And then young, and then there's been some work with um, like neuroscience and things like that. So there's generally now two, two or three streams of thoughts around dreams. One is neuroscience, like what are the neurocorrelates of dreaming? Then there's um, <clears throat> psychoanalysts, um, like dream work type stuff happening. Uh, and then I would say actually uh, new age, magical stuff, like everybody knows it's real. Like, and so you, it's just how we talk about it in media is sort of influenced by how academics talk about dreams. Um, but I would say actually dreams have never gone away. There's wisdom, like the, the like the, the old wise women, right? They, they know what's up. Um, so, and it just, it's like, we have to kind of find a way to bridge that uh, highly kind of elitist world of the academics that have been sent, it's like in part censored by empire and stuff like that and bridge it back to like the indigenous wisdoms and the feminine wisdom around oh tell me your dreams like this sort of community building activity so i know that was a bit of a long answer but no not at all that was that was uh that was that was perfect um how much of that is because the science is still arguing that we're basically locked in our brain and just chemical neurons and all that stuff Oh my God, it's uh, it's a lot, um, a lot. Well, I mean, <clears throat> the paradigm they they don't know how to make sense of dreams, um, in terms of that paradigm because it doesn't make any sense. Like what? Um, because <clears throat> one of the things is is like you when we survey dreams. This is from Krippner, uh, who is a dream scientist and also parapsychologist. Is like when you survey dreams, about eight percent are exotic, meaning they are telepathic or shared or precognitive or healing or any of these other magical things basically. So it's a significant amount of dreams people are having are magical in some way. Um, and so how do you account for that in a, in a thing where you're like, oh, this is wish fulfillment or this is a scenario building. Um, 
So another thing that's really important to know is that dreams are essentially multidimensional in nature, meaning like you can have an objective interpretation like, oh, the objectively you were simulating your test taking scenarios and now you're better at it because you dreamt about it. And that's an objective interpretation. But you can come back to it the next day with a psychoanalyst and be like, oh, wow, turns out you, you, you may have had the hots for your teacher in that dream. What does that say about you? And you can keep doing it. And then maybe three weeks from now, you actually have that exact scenario and you discover it's precognitive. So there's multiple different dimensions of meaning happening at once in dreams. And then the, the physicalized physical paradigm, the whatever flattens it down to an objective meaning statement and that does violence to the nature of the dream. Um, so they don't really understand a lot of it. There's um, like, a, there's, I mean, one of the things that I find most fascinating is there's actually dialogue about whether or not we can take people at their word about their dream experiences. So they is like you, in a sleep lab, you wake someone up, you go, Hey, what were you dreaming about? They were like, blah, angels, or like, I, I dreamt about this, that, the other thing. And then some, some people, some scientists are like, I, we don't actually believe they're having dreams. We believe they're making it up. This could be a thing we need. Whoa. We need. So there's a whole movement of skepticism around dream report. Um, then there's, I really appreciate the paper is a recent paper. It's like, what are we doing? Why are we skeptical about this? Why don't we just take people at their word? It's, we know that like, we know that the memory shifts over time. Like if you ask them in the afternoon, what they dreamt about, everyone's like, I don't know. But if you ask them when you wake up and they have the intention to remember their dreams, it's very, seems to be reliable. Um, so. Well, we've all here. The great thing about this is almost all of us uh, <laughs> have the experience, right? So it's not like you're talking about someone that something that's totally foreign to to any number of human beings, right? You're like, you know, that thing where you put your head down and then you go to sleep and then you wake up and you remember stuff that didn't happen. Yeah. Like, who's going to be like? what strange reality is this you speak of, you know? It's going to be like, what are you talking about, sir? No. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, and if, if you were to imply to someone, can you imagine turning over and, and someone tells you their dreams in the morning, you say, well, you know, honey, I think you're making that all up. <laughs> like, like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, that's what they saw in their dreams. We all remember having done that. It's I'm just freaking out because it blows my mind that scientists would still try and claim that it's not even that dreams aren't even happening and the person is making it up for the scientist as they've woken up or something like that. That's a, there's the backflips. I mean, I can under, there's lots of reasons to call new agers crazy um, and far out, but that's a good reason to call a scientist far out because that's more far out than a lot of the new age yes. things I've nonsense. I've heard like to, to say like, you don't dream, you might just, no one dreams, we're all just making it up when we wake up in the morning. I don't know about you, but I got better things to do in my morning and and it, and it always begins with coffee. And <laughs> my first thoughts not to remember dreams. That's why I like your, your app, because I do want to remember more of my dreams. I'd also like to, well, I'd like to, you know, I have some experience with all of this stuff, but I want more, I want more. And yeah. it's frustrating to me um, intellectually, it's very infuriating, actually, how little uh, we know about dreams, intuition, and, and, and things like deja vu, prophetic dreams. Like, 
I've had these experiences since I was young, especially a lot when I was young, especially a yeah. lot. Almost every, if I remembered a dream in the morning between the ages of uh, 11 and 16, 17, 18, maybe even early 20s, if yeah. I remembered a dream in the morning, it was always prophetic. Yeah. And I have- That's fascinating. Uh, the diaries right up there. Um, like they're all there. So, and, and there's other records in there of weird shit happening that I didn't realize till recently was that weird. Like I did an astral travel one night, went to my high school, saw a girl from my class the other next a couple of days later in school or the next day in school, I'd have to double check, but she comes up to me and says she has a dream. She was in the exact classroom I was astral traveled to and saw me and we talked and I asked her what she was doing there. And she was like confused because she couldn't understand what was going on. And then she, you know, told me the dream. And I was like, that's crazy. How is that possible? And why, since it clearly is possible, because yeah. it just happened. Like if I had re had my adult mind when that happened as a kid, I would have freaked out way more. I would have been going up to all my science teachers and everyone, every adult I knew probably been like, please explain this to me, motherfucker. You know, yeah. like I, this is upsetting because it doesn't fall in line with anything that anyone thinks is yeah but it is so it is i and i want answers and if no one's looking into this then my assessment surely must be that we're all idiots and now a word from our sponsors diving deep into the practices and reality tunnels of the esoteric and the occult check out praxis behind the obscure podcast where i interview practicing occultists do book reviews and much more Check us out on YouTube, Red Circle, and many other podcast platforms. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Well, we cannot control whether any ads get put in the spots allocated. We thank you for listening to those that do since they help keep this project alive. You can also get ad-free content and bonus content and videos and a private webpage by subscribing exclusively to magicwithoutfears.com for only a couple dollars a week or $6 a month or 50 for the year. It helps a lot. Plus, you get emails about other exclusive things. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, it, I'm, I'm sort of boggled by it, too. I mean, I had a dream where I saw my grandfather die. And unexpectedly, my mom called him and was like, your grandfather's there. And I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like, and this is, that's also another initiation I experience I had into like hermetic wisdom, like, a, like being showed up and conveyed information. I, I got her the D divine commander and I was like, this is what those beings told me before my grandpa died. Like, what the, like it, it creeped me out. It gave me chills or whatever. And I'm like, there's something in this that's absolutely amazing, but it, it really reminds me of, uh, so I work with, um, uh, in addition to uh, dream stuff, I work with hypnosis and I work with extraterrestrial contact phenomena. So this is another thing. It happens, it seems like to a tremendous amount of people that are reputable, you go, oh, wow. It's like you, you talk to people that, I mean, 
my experience is anytime I go to a party, I'm talking to somebody, they share me, share, they're like, ah, dude, I've never told anyone this, but like, I saw ETs or whatever. But a thing that happens all the time in these phenomena is like, so like, like lights will literally like UFOs come down spaceships, let's call them space. They'll, they'll come down, they'll shine lights in people's rooms. People will go like, uh, they'll see, they'll see ET beings walking around and they go, you know what I need to do? I need to sleep right now. If they're not freaked out by it, they just go to sleep. And what is happening then? They 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 move from this state of like anomalous thing. They're not scared. They're I mean sometimes they are scared, but uh, most like this is a thing that happens. It's a common pattern. They'll go, "Okay, I'll just go to sleep." It's like there's a light in the sky, a being that you've never seen with a giant head walking around in a, what seems like a spacesuit. You're going to sleep. How does that make any sense? But when we think about how science and how culture responds to dreams every night, like all of our population is dreaming. 8% of our dreams are like bizarre. Well, no, 74% of our dreams are bizarre. 8% are these sort of exotic kind of magical dreams. Shouldn't we be studying this? Shouldn't I mean, like, the, like they they provide information. They they provided the structure of the atom. They provided the periodic table of elements. Like Ramanujan with his like integral theories, they literally just give him mathematical formulas in dreams, and we're just like, oh, dreams are nothing. They're just like roast beef sandwiches, poorly digested. We don't need to focus on it. And I think as a society, we're having the same level of interaction like individuals have with ETs or non-human intelligences. They go to sleep. The scientist society is like, this is too weird. Let's just go to sleep. And yeah, that's a theory. I don't know, a hypothesis. I, I always for, you know, I always forget about Ramana John until until every couple of years when I rewatch Goodwill Hunting. And I'm like, oh, I should, I should like read more about that fellow because it was, it's actually, it is that interesting. You forget about how interesting his story actually is right i mean you know you think math genius you're like okay i know all there is i need to know about that which is nothing you know because i'm not a math genius <laughs> but then but what you yeah and 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 who was it that uh who was the, who had the adam dream neil bohr neil bohr right right that's the name yeah, yeah. so he like saw it's it almost, and- it's almost like forgetting these facts about reality is almost like a dream you know these are these facts that i feel i have to almost struggle against some sort of group unconscious to uh to to fight to think about them and to talk about them but everyone can can talk about them almost i mean yeah sorry it's for stopped (laughs) um it's very exciting to talk about this stuff with uh with you um yeah so we've been getting actual scientific information in dreams for a long time Yep. like stuff that people didn't know. And, yes. And we know that we also, when we do like evocation of spirits and, and stuff like that, we get information often that we don't, couldn't have known or didn't know. And some of that's been tested out, you know, a bit. But I was saying this uh, with Dr. Megan Rose on the last episode of the podcast, because it's so interesting and it applies here too. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, oh damn, don't, don't lose it. Right. But, and I was securing that the, that one thing they haven't been able to find in clinical tests of DMT is evidence of someone receiving knowledge that they didn't already have mm. from those beings. And to me, that's therefore the one missing the, you know, a, a connecting piece that I really want to 
find i you know i want to see if how do you say it if that's going to happen i mm-hmm. i think i think because if it doesn't if we can't ever see that happen that will tell us something right uh, something i i obviously not like to be true but because i subscribe to the idea this is an antenna and not a box yes uh, an air uh, what's it called air vacuum trapped air air locked when you buffer a computer air mm. when you you know when it can't get accessed by anything else oh uh, i'm not sure the term for it but i kind of get what you're saying like our yeah. brain right so it's air locked or yeah i can't remember the term someone's sitting there like shouting it out the at the their iphone right now listening i'm sure (laughs) um okay so dreams and aliens a problem something one of my i was talking with with one of my podcast listeners the other day is is you know when you're watching those alien shows or 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 multi-dimensional shows whether it's just on Netflix or YouTube or Guy or whatever you do, they're out there, right? We all, we've all watched them, whether sober and taking notes or stoned and smiling like a fool. Um, guess which one I do? Um, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, there's this weird flip that happens in a lot of those long documentaries where it's like they're talking about extra dimensional beings and our contact with extra dimensional beings and lights in the sky and they're 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 not from our plane of existence and then at, later in the documentary they go back to ancient times and all of a sudden they're actual physical ships that physically came here and started humanity right i think yeah. it's the ancient aliens thing and i've always had a hard time with this flip all of a sudden from extra dimensional beings to all of a sudden they're in actual spaceships that we're photographing and they're chasing jet fighters it's like because the documentarians never describe what happen there but they're talking for a couple hours about extra dimensional astral beings and then all of a sudden they're talking about nibiru and crash spaceships in area 51 how what's going on there uh for someone who's maybe less into aliens and extraterrestrials because i to be honest i didn't really take any of it that seriously until the government disclosure at the beginning of COVID. um i was like yeah they're probably out there but I don't know if they're actually flying around our planet. And then the government's like, yeah, they're flying around our planet. And everyone's pretending like they didn't say that. Like I even have friends who are like, oh, aliens are nonsense. And like, you know, he's a buddy at, at Dungeons and Dragons. So I'm shocked to hear him say this. He's like, there's no evidence. No one's ever seen anything. The government say it's all fake. I'm like, did you not hear the thing that the whole world, like, you know, Israel guy, and we've been in touch with them for like that. That was crazy, right? Yeah. But this oh, that, my buddy hasn't heard any of that, or if he has, he rejects it out of hand, yeah. even though it's so. That's that's interesting. We could talk about whatever's going on with the world post COVID alien revelation, but we could also talk about the roads are diverging in this yellow podcast wood here, um, or we could talk about people's seeming uh, out of hand necessity to reject things that even now our scientists and government are confirming. Yeah. You. <laughs> um, so it's like a, a term that's helpful is ontological shock. Uh, that is in, in terms of discussing this. Um, primarily, this comes from the work of Dr. John Mack, who was the Harvard psychiatrist in the 90s that was commissioned by the US government to look into the sanity of those pilots who are reporting UFOs. He's like, wow, actually, they're really sane. They um, they are purporting or they're talking about interactions with ETs. 
in he he's actually a really interesting figure because most of the like um uh acceptable hypnosis for the sake of like et inter interaction really does have a kind of negative vibe to it like they're here stealing our genetics kind of uh conspiracy theory but john mack was like actually no it really implies a almost shamanistic animistic worldview where we're more than our bodies where it makes sense astral projection is a thing these beings are highly developed psychical entities that are interacting with us in some way some of the time the initial interactions are traumatic uh, especially in the so-called abduction phenomenon uh, and so there's trauma but then eventually people end up having a kind of integrative experiences that lead to a greater a sense of spirituality and it's it's almost like a shamanic journey a shamanic initiation journey as he saw it um, that kind of journey is actually backed up by the only statistical and scientific study out there about experiencers of contact with non-human intelligence and ufos and this is the beyond ufo book uh it was uh, sponsored by Dr. Edgar Mitchell, the sixth man on the moon, he made the free, the foundation for the research of extraterrestrial and extraordinary experience. They interviewed 4,000 people. Their conclusions are, yeah, it's really traumatic to start out, but like after a while, it's, it's positive. You have a development of these psychic gifts and spiritual awareness and stewardship of the earth. Um, so anyways, uh john mack uh looked into the sanity of these pilots he said yeah they're they're pretty sane except they have extraordinary stories um he offered a notion called ontological shock meaning it's shocking actually to our being uh that these things exist like we we're not alone in the universe we're not the pinnacle of society or like progress we're we're not just our bodies we're actually telepathic beings because we're having interactions telepathically with these things so it's just shocking and he says most people would much rather think of it like a dream like a dream um than integrate the knowledge that we're not alone primarily because at the time of his writing there wasn't like the hundredth monkey thing right back in the 90s we had x-files super scary we had super scary media narratives we had um, untrained hypnotists uh, informing our uh, public, uh, our public understanding of abduction. So these, these basically, uh, it's like there's like, like a history professor and an artist going to town thinking that, that they're trained psychologists or hypnotists, and they they paint a really gnarly picture of abduction that we're still suffering from nowadays. So back then it was like really challenging to go, oh, I've had a interaction with these beings. They didn't butt rape me, basically. They, they, they had a telepathic interaction with me that encouraged me to be, to recycle or whatever, or to like be in tune with the earth in a deep, deeper way. Um, they talked to me about past lives or whatever. So that's ontologically shocking, meaning our concepts of reality of what is possible to be really needs to shift in the integration of these experiences. And so some of that experience we're having as a culture goes like, we don't actually have words and concepts. We don't have an ontology for this whole situation. Things are shaking up. The US government is really fascinating. The, the recent 
hearing because they they rejected they're they're all talking about phenomena right like uaps as phenomena we know from qualitative research methodologies phenomenology is one of those qualitative research methodologies that relies on narrative accounts but here we've got congressmen going oh is it gas is it solid oh let's let's throw out the major major majority of our 400 record database because they're anecdote and narrative and qualitative base about a phenomena probably collected in a phenomenological research methodology talking about the unidentified aerial phenomena and they're rejecting it for the the sake of sensor data or something like that so that that speaks to me to be such cognitive dissonance around it that it just betrays everyone's acting from not the intellect, but from a reactive sort of programmed uh, subconscious almost triggered state around it because it's scary to shift your worldview. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, it is, it is scary. <clears throat> I think that that probably answers the question of why some people just pretend we're not even having government disclosures right now, which um, which is too bad because it's an exciting time. I mean, uh, to to uh, at least ask questions, if nothing else. I mean, and and a lot of those reports are, yeah, as you mentioned, very shockingly credible. Some of the, like, I mean, the David Fravor guy that everyone's watched by this point. I mean, he must be one of the most no offense to the sir but one of the most boring human beings i've ever had listened to talk like it, i just found him dead boring he's a completely normal probably fighter pilot type of guy which really is not my kind of kind of person i go for beers with but the story like it's not interesting to me it, his life what he was in a fascinating you know he's just a regular guy that's what i'm trying to say you know he wasn't far out he's not into crystals he's not into anything didn't want drama like he's so boring he's credible that's what yep. i'm trying to say and uh though of course i i calling him boring is probably not right but you know i want to get across the impression i've gotten from all the like what is it i think seven hours i've listened to him talk like if you count the two got the you know the ai podcast and and the other major ones he's done um and so that's a lot of listening to this guy talk in a very sort of calm collected rational very grounded monotone way about the most insane stuff you know ever like you know it's it's he's not it doesn't sound like to me like he's talking about government drones do you think that's a, a uh what's going on with the the drone thing is that a disinfo thing being put out by agencies in the government um that these are all just drones advanced drones well uh yeah there's a sense of there i mean I think that it's it's shed, uh, providing a context of doubt, right? Like what is actually happening? the the biggest um, the biggest thing I see is the shift away from the like from from my point of view, interactions with UFOs and extraterrestrial beings reveals we're psychic beings, not limited to the physical body. Like we we are the antenna, right? We're we're pulling in something else. How does that work? We don't actually know. But it is not a Cartesian Newtonian worldview doesn't cut it. I mean, the closest we've got is like quantum mechanics, observer principles, something's happening. And so interaction with these things really shows that 
And any conversation that brings it back to the physical, oh, is it in sensor data or not? Maybe it's a drone or not. You, you don't doubt if uh, you have telepathic communication if a drone is doing that. I mean, there are conspiracy theories that they're, they can beam in information and you can hear it, but actually anyone who's practiced meditation or dream work or angel communicate, whatever spiritual path you have, you have a sense of personal discernment that you can use when you interact with these space. So I, I'm calling like psychic, psychic space people in strange spacecraft. They show, they tell you, it's like, Hey, by the way, you're, you're telepathic. You're you're receiving this message. And some of that actually has the effect of putting you to sleep. And sometimes you remember it like a dream if you can't handle it, but there's all these anomalous paranormal events happening around it that are kind of undeniable. So to start to bring it, the, bring the lens back to the drone, Hey, this is a physical thing from a foreign adversary or whatever, really, uh, takes the conversation away from where it wants to go, which is how can we actually have telepathic communication with these beings? How can they respond to our thoughts, right? Like people see UFOs and they go, I, I'd love to see if it did a flipty flip or like stop in the air. Maybe this is in, they have a sense of interaction with these lights in the sky. At least some people do um, that show, hey, something is happening. Either that drone is reading my thoughts and changing its behavior, or there's some level of psychic communication that is unfolding and that these interactions aren't just by accident. There's a reason behind them. Like, like that's, that's another thing where it's like, it's not just a, it's not like, Oh, we don't know what's happening. Oh, there's like for maybe it's a foreign adversary. It's like, there's a, there's a generally a specific reason why those people in this spacecraft are like coming here and interacting with people. Um, so, yeah. Oh, hang on a second. You're on mute. Sorry, yeah. yeah. The lights, in, so the lights in the sky that we're seeing, we have so much footage of now, and we even have, you know, the, the, a lot of them look a lot more than lights. So, like, do you think they're a mixture then of physical and extra dimensional? Because they they bleep, they blip out of, you know, they move along, they change direction, then they just vanish, and then they might appear a little ways away. A buddy of mine has a cool YouTube channel where he goes into his backyard and he's he's trying to signal them and he's gets weird responses back it's very very interesting youtube channel and i'm really glad he's doing what he's doing there um because like why not you know i don't see how little i've i watched the videos and i don't have those lights going on in my back sky i mean well Vancouver, you can't even see the stars but um maybe more out in cranbrook but we do have a lot of ufo activity in british columbia a lot of sightings especially in certain areas like around the island um and we could talk about the Raelians if we want to get really far out, maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> More like bonus segment kind of stuff. Segment on the Raelians. Let's get into cloning and aliens. Um, but they're over there on Vancouver Island, right? Doing their culty thing. And no one really knows what they're up to. I mean, the conspiracy is that they have advanced human cloning plants. And that's where Harry took Meghan Markle to clone her on Vancouver Island before they went to L.A. That's a great one. Saw a video on that. It was so entertaining. Oh, my God. Check out the cloned Meghan Markle stuff if you ever can't sleep and need to kill 10 hours. Um, <laughs> but they're doing some who knows what they're doing over there. They're probably just uh, doing yeah. what we're doing. I don't know. Just in a commune set style. But. I don't think yeah. they're actually cloning English royalty, um, but who, who knows? No. So you have any any sightings up where you are in the 
Cram. Oh yeah. Uh, so I've seen a few, I mean, it's in, working in this field is like, I've tried CE5. It happens. Uh, I don't, I, I don't report them. I don't, uh, it's like, I leave it sort of ambiguous. Like, Oh, this is a experience. It's like a beautiful experience. I'm not out to like prove, uh, that I've had sightings or whatever. I, I rarely try to take photos. Um, we, I mean, like recently had a couple, couple experience last two weekends ago or something. We saw a couple things in the sky in the daytime that looked very similar to those like oval things moving around. They could have been birds on the, on the thing. They could have been other things, who knows that kind of thing. Um, I mean, even when we do CE5, uh, and we've done CE5 with a couple of people that are pretty practiced at it, it's like, it's like, yeah, the listeners is what CE5 is, uh, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. This is a protocol prepared by Dr. Stephen Greer, who also has some issues uh, in terms of talking about, you know, like, is were those drones or not, is what people say. Um, so it's it's basically the idea that, well, if these are psychic beings flying around in spacecraft, they can hear us, right? So why don't we say, hey, we, we want to interact? Uh, and so it's really putting out that invitation uh, to interact with these beings. They'll show up in the form of lights in the sky. Sometimes they respond to thoughts. Sometimes what happens is you get together a group, you do sky watch, you see, oh, maybe that was a satellite. Maybe that wasn't. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Then at night, maybe you see a, a ghostly figure. And then at, at dream time afterwards, stuff happens. So it's really putting forward a, an invitation and it's evocation honestly it's evocation so uh and we use the term ce5 or protocols because it's because people don't people don't have a memory as to what the seances were like in the uh early 1900s or what you know this sort of uh, like process of summoning and evocations like but we we i think we have a long history of interacting with these beings uh, it's just in this paradigm now where we want to identify things as physical or extra dimensional, like you were asking, I would say it's everything. We've got everything we're dealing. There's many, many, many different types of beings out there. Um, so we're dealing with many different types of stuff. My own personal theory about CE5 and the lights in the sky is it's, uh, it's like a physicalized mediumship experience. We're actually projecting them. That's why nobody likes that theory. But like the same thing with the radio contact methodology, which is putting out two exact radios, um, two exact radios. Uh, if they're if one is going off and shattering and the other's not, and they're both on the same frequency, both identical, that's fishy. That means some anomalous behavior is happening. My personal theory is that. ETs are psychically connecting in that the human aura is blasting the, the radio, which is why we get some incoherence there uh, in the anomalous behavior. But again, some people like to imagine people in spacecraft shooting a laser at one of them or whatever. I, I don't know. So there's a vast amount of theories out there. There are anomalous phenomena. Uh, what they are, how they are, is I think it's, I understand it to be a, a like a personal discernment thing like just like dreams, right? You've got prophetic dreams. I've got some precognitive dreams. Some of my dreams are wish fulfillment dreams as well. Who says what is what? Um, well, the dreamer gets to say that. If, you, if you're then going like, oh, you need to listen to my thing and this is how you need to live your world, that's stepping outside of the bounds of ethics in terms of 
discernment, but in, if you're not doing harm, you get to decide sort of what it is. So long as it's like logically consistent with, you know, there's a lot of different qualities and steps to go through with this discussion. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Trying to grab onto a couple of different pieces you brought. <laughs> um, it's, it's great stuff. Um, so, I, Cartesian dualism is obviously a problem we're still wrestling with because we 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 have a hard time, even though we as in in science have understood many non physical forms and forces, um, you know as evidenced by our fabulous world these days and the way we're even communicating now, um, which uh, I remember in, you know, early 2000s, a job mentor I had for, you know, just a job job I had in sales uh, was telling me we were going to be doing this really soon. And I just was like, "Mm, maybe not that soon, but he was right. He was completely right. Uh, You know, um, I guess if you're a bit older, you sort of can see these things moving at a more realistic pace and, and it's, it's, it's led me to, to, of course, wonder, like, you know, is this actually the time in which humans are really going to uh, start to uh, get a bit more nuanced in our understanding of the difference of reality between physical and non-physical? It's just, it's challenging, of course, because we want science to go there with us. Um, and, and when it's not, though, we push those boundaries on our own using whatever uh, understanding of science we have, well, even if it's ancient science, like magic um, and evocation, of course, um, which we are going to have a, a fun time getting into discussing the John D of it all and and uh, how 500-year-old uh, Enochian language and magical techniques led to 400 pages of channeling the ethers. That's uh, a... <laughs> but I do want to just a little bit more about with the alien of it all, because yeah. there's some things there that I uh, just don't get to ask many people much. And, and uh, I'm not in the alien space, right? It just doesn't, you know, but it does have crossovers a lot of with the occult, of course, as as demonstrated by your, your book of galactic light. Um, so flat out, do you think like the the What's the problem with understanding? I'd never seen the term EDT before, but it, of course it made, makes perfect sense. So you have ETs and EDTs, extraterrestrials and extra dimensional. Yes. They're just EDs. E- yeah. Yeah. The, that term is I use primarily because uh, we have a cultural understanding of what an extraterrestrial being is, but actually we don't have a lot of evidence for them being physical bodies from other planets flying through space to come here. There seems to be something else. Um, also the capacity to shift through dimensionality. There's, uh, I mean, there's a brilliant paper put out by the Exo Studies Institute, um, Exo Studies Institute. Um, and it's basically, it, it goes through and it's like, collects all the hypotheses. There's 10 active hypotheses like around these things. Oh, they're extraterrestrial beings. They're ourselves from the future. Oh, they're fairies. It turns out all of the, like Jacques Vallée, it's a beautiful, I love, I love Jacques Vallée's thing where it's like, these are fairies. They behave like fairies. They're stealing our babies it's like that kind of thing so um it's uh, yeah right i know um uh so th- there's all these different hypotheses this exo studies paper our wild cosmos puts up 
all of them are happening. All of them. There's a lot. This is the 11th theory is a mutual enactment hypothesis. It's all like, oh, the, another theory is the dark secret space program sort of thing is, is happening. Like the Nazis are on the other side of the moon. It's all true. This, um, so, and it's all interacting in, in bizarre ways we can't understand. So in that way, it's sort of like, oh, let's, we're talking about extraterrestrial beings like we imagine ourselves. Like, so SETI, uh, Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence does something great where they're like, we're looking for life like we know it, right? So we're not necessarily looking for uh, things we wouldn't recognize. So it's something like water-based, something like carbon-based, something like humanoid, something like with a mind that can dream, that kind of thing. Uh, so those are like extraterrestrials. It's really easy for us to kind of imagine like the greys or even the reptilians or all these different species. But then the extra-dimensional is like, what is it? Because there is this sort of intersection between uh, paranormal events and ETs. And so it's sort of a, just a catch-all phrase, like anything out there that's kind of like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I apologize for the noise that suddenly started outside my window. Is it too loud? Can you hear that too loud? Not no. at all. No. Good. Wonderful. I'm, I'm trying to do what little sound proofing I can, but I could do better. Um, yeah. I'm glad sure. it's not uh, as loud for you as it is for me. Hopefully it won't bother you listeners out there. Um, this is what happens when we podcast in the middle of the day, but Hey, we've got to work with our schedules. Yeah. Eh? Um, yeah, to that point, hopefully, I, I sort of lost some of my thoughts there, but it's because some of the pictures, especially the the Air Force ones from the U.S. Air Force, look like very physical vehicles, yeah. like metallic, like pyramidal, different shapes. Um, that's something that's thrown me because the 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 the, the radical uh, array and variety of shapes we got now. I'm not sure if that makes me um more confident or more skeptical do you know what i mean yeah like <laughs> where yeah. i'm coming from there yeah like, i don't know what to do with it i mean none of us really know what to do with this right unless you're like you know on the payroll of uh mk ultra or mockingbird or something like that <laughs> yeah mockingbird's still around right Oh, I, I, I'm not sure. That's the one that like is is planting false information and in, like narratives and stuff, right? Yeah, that's the one that influences Hollywood. But I haven't seen yeah. any government influence in Hollywood. Oh yeah, no, me neither. I think we're I think we're done with that. You know, they they said in the '90s that they stopped doing their remote viewing uh, too as well because it's not not not. You know, there's no there's no proof for that. Um, anyways, yeah, Except no, they're, the they're main remote viewer dude vanishing and then being fake declared dead by them yeah they're like the guy who was best at it and th that they sequestered to do it for them for all these years and they cut everyone else off they're like it doesn't work so we're gonna take the guy who's best at it and he's gonna come do this thing oh wait he's gone he's vanished and then years later oh he's dead yeah can we see the body no please don't look in that grave um and it's like clearly they're still doing it and they don't want people to know how effective it is because they don't want other governments to know how effective it is, though the cat's probably out of the bag. Who knows? Who knows? But I, I really doubt they would be doing something that presidents have it, uh, you know, the famous president stuff on live TV, like saying, yeah, our psychics found this yeah. person. Um, and that's, you know, he wasn't joking. He was like, yeah, that's three that people. And it's it's taken my whole lifetime to actually realize how seriously the government's 
or the U.S. government, at least as far as I know, has taken this stuff and just not wanted other people to know that, which is all kinds of odd in yeah. some ways. In some ways not, but it's definitely frustrating as a species. Yeah. Right? You know, you yeah. don't want the forefront of human knowledge to be concealed by the people discovering it. That's um, right. It's, that's, that's, uh, it's, it's kind of evil actually, um, really is, but you know, that's yeah. good news. Governments are evil. Yay. Um, <laughs> welcome to life. Uh, before we move on from aliens also, can I ask you what you think of the, the uh, Israeli official and his story when, when the US government released the information early COVID about the UFOs and all of this, this Israeli government official, for those of you who don't know, came out and just gave a whole spiel, a whole story. I think he even included Canada in this sort of uh, uh, thing. And he, I don't remember if he mentioned Trudeau, but he mentioned, I think, Canada as well, being aware, fully aware of everything he was saying. And his story was basically that we're in full-on galactic communication and alliance with multiple races of aliens. That was, and this, but then the problem is, well, I don't know if it's a problem, but he's a really credible Israeli high up government guy, right? Is that correct? Yeah, um, it was like a defense minister or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I tend to like look at- three, four, so it, He didn't, it's not like he was trying to get, uh, I didn't feel like he was trying to cause a splash really or or too much of a splash i felt like he was just like waiting it seemed to me like he was just waiting for the u.s to give the go-ahead and when the u.s said yep it's real these things are real we have been seeing them for a long time we don't know it was like he got the go-ahead and he's like finally i can tell people the truth and that's what he did and then he yeah. went away never heard from him since <laughs> yeah the, the the narrative of galactic federation galactic communication that is uh, that's i mean like that is prevalent in like the new age that is prevalent in like secret space program narratives it's just like really hard to parse out i i personally get skeptical of any mass media around anything right so i i understand them as sort of like a dreamlike experience because at some point i've been so disillusioned by uh mass media i'm like there's there's nothing in here that uh is 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 strongly like there's no there's no strong uh i don't have a rapport of trust between the mass media and uh you know truth or whatever but it is i mean i go okay so that actually tracks uh in in the sense of like um, if we've had interactions with these beings, if they are interested in the human species primarily because of our developments with uh, nuclear nuclear stuff, that's one of the hypotheses. They're coming into the the planet and the consciousness in part because we're evolving enough to understand them as they are, not as like a metaphor as. Uh, like angels or the ancient aliens sort of, oh, these are like, like gods or whatever, that these are also people. Um, so that kind of makes sense to me, uh, that narrative. Um, I will say, I mean, there's like a, like half a dozen different galactic federations out there in this space, galactic federations of world, galactic federation of light, the like Hebron federation of whatever. I, I, there's like three or four I know of, and there's like even more and different spokespeople for them. So um, I like I mean, that stuff if it has good graphics. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, I mean, like one of the reasons why I did the Book of Galactic Light is because I actually thought 
that John D had interactions with something like the Galactic Federation, like aliens in the guise of angels. And I thought they had a, a vested interest in the unfolding of empire, particularly British empire. And then the, as it expanded around the globe, I thought, oh, okay, the, these are, this is aliens coming in and expressing their specific interests through the through the the workings uh through the Anakian workings or through through his his angelic communications that that rendered the Anakian workings so um that's why i that's why i thought i thought to be honest i i didn't know when i started the work like i thought either i was going to pray every single day for 30 days and nothing was going to happen i thought uh i was going to interact with kind of nefarious extraterrestrial beings like i thought maybe the scrying stone would like become a like a magic gateway like i would see through it like like i don't know like a magic portal like that's not and that was one thing and then i thought maybe oh maybe it is angels maybe it's demons who are who am i going to interact with in this experience i got to the point where i realized like this historic moment the historic moment of d the foundation of the British Empire, the interactions with the angels is so important that I'm going to dedicate 30 days, probably two hours a day, plus however long it took me to build my whole holy table and tables and stuff like that. That's worth it just to get the message out that this happened in our history that, I mean, you know it, a lot of esoteric people know it. Uh, I don't know how to say it in a way that like, Joe Schmo off the street will go like, oh, wow, this is amazing, but I'm trying my best. Um, and so that was part of the inspiration for Book of Galactic Light is to really go like, hey, there's these different levels of interaction and different, our governments are actually, it's not outlandish to think that the governments are in contact with extraterrestrials because literally the British empire was founded in part through magical communications with angels. Like, like it, it's, it makes sense that, that is possible, yeah. Well, I, not only that. Do you know the the uh, the off? Well, in a, in Enochian, amongst Enochian practitioners, um, we often marvel at the fact that Enochian magic has the most testified to examples of effective magic shaping world history, which uh, is Dee's use of the uh, the uh, heptarchial prince bifafes to sink the spanish armada at the request of queen elizabeth and then when it rebuilt and relaunched to do it again and both times calm seas which had been well assessed by experienced you know naval officers turned into destructive uh, what's the word what's the word for a storm at a sea there's a tempest yeah tempest yeah. And I just bought Shakespeare tickets. How can I forget that? I love Tempest. Anyway, um, and and both times it, it destroyed the fleet. And it's even it's it's there, it was such there were such significant defeats that they're still talked about today in naval history. And they're they're very big deals, but they're even bigger deals to magicians, because the only thing that anyone did in regards to those two invasions was uh, compel an angel to do something. Yep. No yep. other real military action was taken. And it was effective in the exact same way both times. And yeah, so, you know, that might be as good as you're going to get as seeing magic working on a global stage, right? Yeah. 
you know, when a when a when queen when a queen says, "Oh well, you know what happened last time when they tried to invade? Can you you know send that angel to trash those ships again?" Yeah, no problem, no problem. We'll just like last time. We'll just you know we did it before. We can do it again. So that that that's a little, you know, it's too bad it didn't happen a third time. But I guess the you know Spanish ran out of wood. <laughs> to <Yeah. be> <laughs> how many times are you going to get your the entire fleet be trashed? It was a major historical military upset. Yeah. And uh, changed the course of the world. Yeah. Um, so that's something we talk a lot about in Enochian Magic when we're trying to wrap our heads around, I guess, the potential of it. Yeah. Um, what would, so in your book, for those interested, uh, you can actually get it for free as a PDF on your website. Is that correct? That's great. Yeah. All my work. Uh, You're a great guy. So, yeah. Well, you're a real researcher. You're actually on a mission. You're on a mission here. You're not, you're not a, a, a grifter as the kids like to say these days. Oh yeah. No, I want, I want this world. I want a world where uh, angelic communication is, is any sort of communication is respected, right? That's the world that I don't want you. It's like angels, extraterrestrial. I don't care. I want every single person in this world to be activated to their own passion, their own genius, to be, to be living in love, uh, in tune with the earth. And this is some of the ways to do is actually like, confront some of the darker aspects of our history to confront the fact that we're living in a, a vast community that we can ask for assistance like she is sinking sinking ships or whatever and what if what if a thousand of us asked for assistance in navigating the next 200 years or whatever 100 years what if we ask for the assistance in in engaging galactic federations and and bringing us to space like what if and i think i think if we could have a great yeah. life that way. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we got we got Elon doing his thing. Uh, we got therefore competitors rising up to uh, buffer that entire industry, which is yeah. uh, that's really good. Competition is good, as we've learned from uh, this uh, baby formula catastrophe. Um, that's what happens when you get a monopoly. Uh, you get screwed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so so you know we are we're pioneering the dimensional, multidimensional and the physical at the same time in our planet, whether people want us to or not, whether people think we're crazy or not, it is happening now, um, yeah. on the physical and less physical side, <laughs> higher vibratory end. Um, do you have a background much in physics? I thought you might've uh, mentioned that, but I can't recall. When I was a kid, I wanted to become an astrophysicist more than anything. And so I went to, because I thought it would reveal the secrets of the cosmos to me. I went to Michigan Tech for one year. I talked to all, as a, as a physics major, I talked to all the professors and I was like, so what do you know of the secrets of the universe? And they were like, well, Jesus Christ is the way. And I was like, oh, that's not revealed to you by physics, is it? It's faith. There's something else there's another factor to the equation and that's philosophy that's ways of knowledge and so i left physics to go to st john's which is like a, essentially gives you a degree in philosophy and history of science uh so it's like great I'll, i that's that's that that was the step away from science but yeah hmm. yeah yeah i had a similar experience when i tried finding my educational path it's uh it's funny you know how you uh, i remember asking you philosophy uh, professor when I wanted to go into philosophy like what would you say to someone who 
has the experience of seeing light around bodies. Mm. He said, oh, well, you'd be mentally ill and you should be, you know, institutionalized immediately. Yep. And he looked at me, I was just like, the death, the dead eyes, like stare and look and, and it, that led to his soul that was equally dead. I was yeah. like, I'm done. I'm done with this. I would just walk by his classroom after that, every class on my way to the, the gym. Yeah. And go to the gym instead of his class. I still, I still, I still challenged the courses and still took the tests. But I was like, no, no. And then I went to theology. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I, I can't, you can't, I can't learn from anyone who considers my experiences of life insane. Yeah. Mentally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. given how much I punished myself in my own life with my own sense of rigorous skepticism and. I'm, I'm quite argumentative even on this podcast when it comes to anything that I can be questioning about. I don't, I, that's, the, that's how I do it here. I know that, I know, I know it can sometimes cause me to lose a lot of listeners because yeah, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not, it's not a puff piece podcast, right? Um, but that's just, we need it somewhere, you know, we got, we got some of those out there. So, you know, we got to be yeah, that's. I appreciated your comments in the, um, the AM Byte one where you were like, oh, John D. Dunn never did that. He, you provided facts where I was like, oh, God, I'd love to just like listen. Because there's there's this sense of like, oh, like we weren't we're not going to challenge the facts because someone's saying it. But actually, like, let's talk about it. Like, we yeah. need to have a clear discussion around it. It's not yeah. it's not saying it's bad or good. It's just like, let's talk about the facts and then go go from there. And one of the facts, I, I mean, I keep coming back to in our world is our own personal experience of those things, like the body of light type perceptions. And like, these are facts. What is the interpretation we add to them is, uh, is another question, right? But um, the, the facts is, is sense data. We are sensors in some way. We are sense data. We shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? The narrative and anecdotal accounts are actually meaningful, but the interpretation around them can have some some dialogue, and that needs to happen. So, anyways, I, I'll get off my soapbox. Yeah, no, no, I, I like your soapbox. Please, I uh, jump on it as often as you wish. <laughs> um, if we ignore it, I mean, like, I mean, would we even have? Yeah, I just would we have would we have had the bomb when we had it? Dropped it when we dropped it? If people hadn't listened to their dreams? Yep. Scary question. Yeah, let's not ask that. <laughs> so the, the 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 back matter of your book is actually mostly the discussion and exploration of Enochian magic. The front matter is like what you're up to in this book to prepare the reader and how and a little overview of sort of the courses and classes you did and the operational stuff you did. And then the main part is the thirty aethers, all thirty aethers, correct? Yeah, you didn't yes. say. Um, and I've tried to go through them as much as I could, but. Um, I, you know, I jumped on, on talking to you sooner rather than later, just cause I was so excited to do it and I Thank hope you. you don't mind and we'll hopefully do this again. Um, oh yeah, it's great. Perfect timing. Yeah. But I, I'd love to share something. So you, you share your invocation to the governors, um, before you start with the 30th Aether of text and we won't, eh, we could get into the whole Crowley of it all and whether you, which order you should go in, but it's not really that interesting compared to what you've uh, done here, you say your invocation is is really interesting. It's of course obviously different from the uh, Elizabethan uh, Christian piety of John Dee's invocations, um, but that's what's great about it. Governors of this aether, hear my prayer. I declare the dignity and goodness of the earth, human family. 
We declare the unity of our spirit. Heal, guide, and protect us. May all beings on this earth enjoy equal rights in accordance with the principles of non-harm and the cosmic law of one for the benefit of all beings. Raise us up into celestial community. Let the new earth arise in light, love, and unity. Come forth here and now into this world and accomplish our prayer. Beautiful. Thank you. And... Uh, and then you go into what you uh, experienced in the Aether of Text, the Lord, you have a quote, and then you say, I saw a blue robed figure approach, I saw a face emerge, I saw a vortex, or tornado, a, the blue robed one presents a scroll, opens it, lays it upon the circumference of heaven. I mean, this is what a lot of my scrying entries are sort of like, um, uh, more or less. This is, this is very similar, of course, to scrying, channeling, all these things are quite interrelated. Um, over the, how long did it take you? Uh, did you do that process of the 30 aethers over? Uh, I did it um, in 30 days. Yeah. Uh, so I did that. I started on 11 11, so November 11th. And then I started at 4 44 a.m. Uh, and then every day I would wake up somewhere between like 2 30 and 4. Uh, I tried aiming to start at around 3 30 or 4, the, the prayers. I would do the, I do the calls. It would be like 45 minutes to an hour of chanting. And then the, the visionary experience was like somewhere between 15 minutes and an hour. So that was like every day for 30 days. Um, yeah. Yeah. What was, what was the experience like? I'm sure. Yeah. This is, please get back on your soapbox and just <laughs> talk about what the entire experience was like, because this is something definitely my listeners want to know uh um we are uh, you know i've worked the aethers a lot of us have worked the aethers uh some of us have done a few over many years some of us like jason louv uh dropped acid and did them all in one night while having group sex i believe um so there's many uh <laughs> doors to go through um some more yeah. galactic some kinkier i guess and some more psychedelic but what was your experience of, of, of all doing all of this uh, hardcore channeling that I'm sure John D would be delighted to see? I mean, he'd, he'd, he'd wonder what happened to Jesus, but you know, we all. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the experience was so interesting. Like I said, I had no idea actually what to expect. I was like, I was thinking kind of like, uh, I, I was thinking actually from the point of view of uh, like colonialism, like we were like GD maybe interacted with ETs that had like a nefarious empire, kind of like the, the notion like there's an evil alien empire that's like secretly pulling strings or whatever. Uh, I thought we need to address this. Uh, it needs to be addressed. I was guided through, um, it's going to sound crazy uh, even for everyone, even, even based on like the UFO talk I've done for all of the community. This is like one of the craziest um, things. We did a, a CE5 event, a retreat um, on near Sail Mountain near Revelstoke with uh, a buddy of mine who was a client who actually has incredible contact story. Um, <clears throat> but we were there. We saw like a daytime tic-tac ufo i didn't everyone left the camp and i go oh thank god now's the time i can meditate i start meditating they see a daytime tic-tac ufo go across the sky they call to me i don't respond they get back they're like oh my god we saw this tic-tac ufo go across the sky and they they go through the discernment process i'm like 
that is so amazing. Why didn't you call me? And they were like, we did call you. And I was like, what was I doing? And I was like, holy shit. Oh my God. It was like this sort of um, spiritual mediumship experience. Like I studied spiritual mediumship. They show up, the spirits show up like here for me, like not center, but just slightly there. And how kind of like give me images or whatever. And it felt exactly like doing a medium reading. I'm not a medium. I don't practice mediumship, but I, I studied it once for a summer. Um, and so I, I'm kind of, I was like, that was happening. And it was telling me, so, go into John, like start this work, look into it. Um, I had this, I had this experience of um, like a mysterious infection in my arm after going to the British Museum and looking in, uh, looking at his stuff. Um, and that that really shut me off from this inquiry for seven years. This this moment of the UFO, Tic Tac UFO and the spirit. And I go, I go, maybe that was John D's spirit in a UFO, like time travel to the future. I'm like, like this is this is I I I actually we need took to that, make a t-shirt. <laughs> she bought John D in a UFO zipping by. Isn't that it's like, but I like I was like, but it's actually like if I if I go to my training this is actually the closest expression I have to like what happened. Like this is the, and so I'm like, so, so that's why, that's why the, pr the prayer is, is really set in a context of invoking these things. Like if that's possible, like if, if it's, it's like a 0.0% chance or 0.01% chance of that actually happening, John D spirit coming to me in a UFO to invite me to do this Anakian ritual I better take that seriously. I mean, that's a good enough chance. I mean, it, what's what's the worst that can happen is I'll sit in a room doing silly things with like like this sort of like cool language, and that's it, right? Like that's it. So I was like, I'll I'll jump in. I'll 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 put I'll go all in into this notion that like perhaps there's a capacity to invoke an apocalypse to bring about the new earth, to invite these beings into the world that are just waiting for invocation to help move about things. And so, so really, I, I, I had that kind of heightened uh, receptivity. Um, I received a lot of guidance through dreams. Uh, oftentimes, I'd wake up. My sweet wife is so good to me because she would be like, Oh, that's wonderful. Tell me more about Agrippa at like four in the morning. <laughs> I was like, Agrippa is this is it. And it's like, so she would do that. She's the reason why the book is honestly published. Uh, it's the, and I like, I've cited that she's the reason why, like, is the, I go, the co authors are Celestial Being. She's like, you did not put me through that to just pretend it was bullshit or something that wasn't real. It was real. You woke up every day. You, you kept talking to me about this stuff, like take it for serious. And I'm like, okay, I'll take it for serious. And that's part of the reason why like we're talking now is because of my wonderful, sweet, supportive wife in the process. Um, she sounds like a very wise Canadian lady. Oh, she's wonderful. So glad um, she uh, stole you uh, up here to our province. Me too. So she she was very supportive. Uh, the the scrying of the aether. So I get to there. I'm like, I, it's like it took a lot of work. We were pregnant at the time. I'm I'm starting the the dream app. I have a nonprofit going on, making ends meet, and I'm like yeah, painting these these little like you know the Anakian tables, right? Like, and they just have to be perfect. I've like yeah. I did them over a few times, and like. So everyone was really supportive about that. Um, I had the. The experience of scrying actually was like a surprise to me 
at how potent it was, but also how ephemeral uh, the experience was. Um, it, it was. It reminded me often of my clients in trance. Um, I, some new ones. You want to see them? Yes. Oh God, yeah. Great. Picture of my high school got stuck to the top. You want to see me in high school? Yeah. Great. Pause it. See if you can find it. <laughs> Just joking. Oh wait, up there I am. Nice. Up there, finger. White. Yeah. Shirt, black vest, long black hair. Nice. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So I'm working on some new ones. They're very heavy. Yeah. But uh, I'm gonna redo the colors. I'm gonna make the white parts green and like for the white parts green, for example, on this and do them full flashing colors. Yeah. Old school nice. style. So I changed my mind halfway through. Now where do I put these? Yeah. Yeah, the place is just full of tools being made and remade. Um, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your thing, but- Oh no, that's great. Uh, I like seeing it. A little bit of, yeah, a little bit of show and tell never hurts. My buddy uh, just uh, got like cost over a grand of wood to get the wood to make a full table proper nice. size. So now we have to go do the painting and the fun never ends. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to a time to like redoing my stuff. Cause I, I just, I got to a point where they, the guidance I got was like, Oh, do it by the solstice, finish it by the solstice. That's why I expedited. I like, I think I did expedited ritual. I don't think I would ever do it so fast or, um, whatever i think i would do it much slower uh this time around like maybe one day for each governor or whatever uh but um enochian is very flexible that's one thing every enochian, enochian magician has said the reason people say well i didn't enochian this way and it still works so so why why do you say there, that traditionally this is the way and it's like well yeah traditionally here's a way here's a way but it's very amenable to different modalities for whatever reason and yeah. that's really cool right so that's what that's one of the things reasons why i don't poo poo people doing things a different way because we've all anyone who's actually worked with the system knows that it's almost made to to metamorphosize in very strange ways um interesting ways right ways that do seem uh very fey often very fairy or or extraterrestrial i mean obviously they're angels right wink wink um because they said they are and we're going to take them at their word through in the name of christ our lord but um they're that 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 the qualitative uh, research still needs to be done yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, like they did show up. The, the thing that was surprising to me, like you, you were talking about angels, is like I now actually, I like before this, I was like, I believed in ETs more than angels, to be honest. I grew up a Christian, but became Buddhist. I was like, yeah, spirits are a thing. I'm sure angels are a thing, whatever, right? Like, but I was like, e ETs have more capacity to interact in my life than angels. And then after this experience, I, I really do feel like, oh, angels are real, like in a very, very real way, in a way that surprised me in a way that i think i think the angels are real for us in a way that they can be real for the extraterrestrials and that there's a really strong connection there i think they they help mediate that kind of conversation uh is sort of my my understanding because i did make contact with i think other 
I think extraterrestrial beings like showed up and, and played with the radios. Like, I don't think those were the angels because I asked the radio, like, so I, I ran, in addition to doing the Enochian um, uh, magic, I, I had the two radios. Um, so our, our little like show and tell, right? So two radios, they're exactly the same. Turn both of them on. Right. One of them, if one of them talks, the other doesn't, something fishy is happening. Generally, there's not a source of electromagnetics uh, to kick it off or whatever. But I mean, they, there's certain behaviors. And then they start uh, one of the tests is to see like you ask questions and if it gives you a response. I got really kind of militant with it at the end of these rituals because they would chatter a lot during the ritual. Sometimes they would click in tune with the chanting of the Anakian. And I've got it all on my YouTube channel. You can see it. I want to, yeah, I, I mean, like, uh, so you can see that. I thought it was fascinating. I don't know what to make of it necessarily, except like after the rituals, sometimes the radios would go off and I'd go like, are, are you guys still here? And they go, yeah. And I was like, do you want me to record this? And they go, and they go, okay, okay, great. And then I'd start recording. And then I would be like, um, I only have like two or so recordings like this that are really coherent. The rest are like clearly me being a crazy person talking to talking to weird radios. But there's a couple that are like, I'm like, okay, so what's yes, what's no, what's other? They they describe, they they consistently pulse. And then I go, I ask them questions and I count from 10 to one and I give them that long. And then I move on to the next question. Uh, and then in that interaction, there seemed to be, they identified like the people who were talking in the radios identified themselves consistently through like a couple different questions as like subterranean, um, subterranean uh, ET beings, something like ET beings. It's like the Agarthan network, if you've heard of that. It's like the city under Mount Shasta. Um, it's like Shambhala. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We have to talk about that when you come back next time because i don't know anything about it i just heard a peep about it the other day might have even been on your channel but just one second to get people excited what is going on there's a city under mount shasta oh yeah so uh <laughs> this is so fascinating i think there's so much in this because um city under mount shasta <laughs> it's in the fifth density so it's not 3d so you okay. walk there in 3d if you're like <laughs> on your iphone uh, smoking cigarettes or whatever, or drinking and like that sort of like 3D vibe stuff, you might not see something. Although you might, who knows, right? You 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 pray and meditate. You ask for contact. People will show up. Uh, light beings will show up and take you there. Uh, this is like the description. And I've never I've gone there a few times. Uh, the closest I've got is going to a dusty lava tube and taking photos and seeing orbs in the photos, but it also was a dusty lava tube. So mm. like, who knows? Yeah. Um, Not quite the same as if you're, uh, if, if you like film a band performing and there's orbs floating all around their instruments and stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah that's uh any thoughts on what that is again, <laughs> just like, or your take on that again, cause it's a, phenomenon i've only become recently aware of and i'm not sure how legit it is really but i yeah i like any of this stuff so one of the i mean like one of my contemplations one of the insights like when i did my first investigation into d and kelly when i got that arm infection and stuff i was like why 
what's going on with Kelly? Like if these, if this is like, why, why counter, why, why this whole narrative of counterfeiter with their ears cut off? I know it's, it's like false or whatever. It's un, it's, uh, it's unvalidated. It's not, you know, and they had so many, here's the problem, right? They had so many detractors come after their, they were dead yep. uh, and trying to take them down. We have, we have hundreds of years of people trying to detract from them up to present day. Yep. And, and all we have of, of, of in the, versus their diary, one diary, yep. these diary, right? Yeah. 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 So the understanding I got from that is, oh, oh, there might be some value in, and this comes from the ET stuff too. They won't, they won't show up in a way that causes that undeniable proof experience that causes the ontological shock. There's always a choice. There's always a choice of like, you can, if you want, it's like, uh, like talking to channeled entities, they never, they never tell me what to do. They're always like, if you would like, here's a recommendation. And they they will emph- emphatically say this is an emphatic invitation. And I go, whoa, okay. If they're like emphatically inviting me to do something, this is like pretty serious. Like, so um, in that way with Dee and Kelly, there's so much doubt around it. It's kind to someone who may be harmed by the, the actual undoubtable experience. And then it's so complex that it causes a journey of the of the aspirant or the seeker to actually go through and go like, wow, actually, huh, the Anakin language is pretty, pretty complex, like it maybe came from another source. But if you don't, it, on face value, it's just something bizarre that I don't know, maybe it's something it's like the ET thing is for most people. So it's similar to that. The same thing with uh, like going into the Shasta experience and all of that is like, there is this like, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. You have to be in the right space. The orb, the orb thing. That's how we got on this topic is the orbs. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, people do legitimately see orbs. I think people do legitimately understand like lens flare and also things to be those things uh, and misidentify those. Personally, uh, I've had experiences of uh, photographing in one CE5. It was one of the crazy, oh my God, it was like the craziest experience I've had in CE5, one of them, where we were photographing, just photographing randomly. It stops, it looks clearly like there's an orb type thing, like a dark thing, but it's it like, it was, and then the battery died or whatever. And I was like, oh, this is whatever. Uh, the next day I start looking at it and a hummingbird flies right here, but hummingbird was the name that my son gave to the ship. And then it wouldn't leave the van. The hummingbird wouldn't leave the van. And then there was like, there was, it was like something like it was just slightly multi. It was like across these different modes of perception, these things that were like, Oh, of course it's just animals behaving bizarre. It's just camera camera batteries dying. Oh, it's just the lens cap, but added up together. It's just is this subtle fingerprint of something across multiple modes of perception that I go, there's some level of extremely deep power here. That's just subtly letting itself be known. And in that way, sometimes I, I, I think those experiences of misidentification are the soul yearning for an expansion outwards and a training of the soul to go, oh, it's possible that these things are real. And I don't know. So that's, that's just a thought. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's always fun when we are 
you know, the, con the constant exercise of banging our heads up against the limits of knowledge. It's just, uh, yeah, orbs. Yeah. Mount Shasta, there's too many, so many pieces. And it does feel like uh, a psychic told me when I was very young that my mom took me to that uh, angels would, would try and in, would influence us through the internet. Cause I asked her about the internet and what she thought about that as a famous psychic. And uh, she was like angels and other beings will use it actually to help influence and guide humanity. It's like, Oh, mm -hmm. that's very interesting. Cool. Yeah. And you, know, uh, but you know, it's something I've, kept on the back burner and thought about over the years I, i've certainly there's certainly a lot of interesting things going on on the internet uh, yeah. <laughs> some angelic uh yeah. not so much on twitter uh, <laughs> i think that's where the goetic demons dwell <laughs> <laughs> along with all the infighting about the lima and alistair crowley or whatever's yeah. going on um okay there's a few other main points. I know we just can't get into everything uh, also. Uh, but on the on the magical Enochian front, yeah, so so like you mentioned, uh, uh, when you were doing the interview with Miguel on Aeon Byte, everyone should know about Aeon Byte uh, Gnostic Radio. Uh, and uh, Miguel, of course, uh, he does very interesting work. Um, but yeah, I, you know, things, uh, there's some facts that we're getting a lot. We're always getting new information. Like, you know, a lot of people think Israel Regardi published everything that existed on the Golden Dawn. Even those of us in the Golden Dawn, you know, a long time, you know, around that age when before people, you know, and then we found out we didn't, that he did. <laughs> That's the short story. We found out that it was much more complicated. There was way more documents out there, way more uh, uh, sort of people continuing on the tradition from the good old days. And just like the whole Golden Dawn world's really expanded in the last few years, last couple of decades, way more than it, it had been known throughout the 20th century. Mm. Um, with like, you know, so, so a lot of people complain it's all published, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, most of the stuff I want to know isn't published and I'm, just there trying to, you know, once in a while, I might get a little picture of a unpublished document from someone. And I'm like, thank you. That's really nice. <laughs> and all of us in the Golden Dawn tradition are quite pleased about the current state of uh, sharing some stuff that's never mm -hmm. been out there before and new releases of books like the Pat Zaleski's Golden Dawn Rituals and Commentary, which is what the Golden Dawn actually did back in the day, more or less, mm -hmm. compared to the Israel Regardi abridged and highly altered stuff that he put out still it's still the main body of work of course but you know when it comes to uh d and ceremonial magic and its development um we also see that uh, some big changes going on because we've moved away from some practitioners one of the most exciting thing happening with practitioners now is moving away from the trance uh, self-hypnosis side of using of evocation to um people like uh, i talked with adley nichols on the podcast he's he's one of these solomonic practitioners who is uh, also a Gnostic priest, but when he does his magic, he doesn't dim the lights and create an, uh, a, a, a trance-like meditative atmosphere. He, he keeps his monkey brain even going, criticizing and questioning what he's doing and seeing while he's even doing, you know, evocations from the Tamron. And when he gets a communication or sees something, he wants it to be so almost, it feels like invasive on the normal, humdrum waking consciousness sure he's in a sacred mode sure he's an ordained priest you know who isn't we all we all take uh, we all take this stuff very seriously but we also want to challenge ourselves at the same time and so when he says he sees 
running water, he's not talking about in his mind. When he sees flickering lights, he's not talking about it in his mind. And it's very is tricky stuff to talk about because you don't want people running off there trying to recreate a dark song, right? Um, and and get necessarily too far out there in what their supernatural expectations are. Because I, I prefer, I don't know where you stand on the metaphysical questions, but personally, I'm a, I'm a naturalist. I don't believe there's a supernatural reality beyond nature. I think nature is all encompassing. We just might not understand the full extent of the ecstatic semiotic folds of nature and pre-nature and the underconscious of nature as Goethe would say, natura naturans and natura naturata, right? Nature naturing and nature natured. Hmm. Um, so the, yeah, the expansion of, of studies from, from, from Dee's time through the, the new age to this current contemporary milieu is just one of challenging all of these different things, right? We've got the the challenge to Christianity has happened and that whole uh, cultural view of magic as something that is either uh, within or without of Christianity. It's either part of it or against it. You know, it's framed often in that, again, very polarizing way. Um, but now we're going back further with people like Jake Stratton, Kent, understanding the real history of magical relationships, Stephen Skinner, all these great researchers and hardcore academics are, are placing magic in its proper, its proper understanding historically and that's opening us up to new ways of practicing it um, and that's what's really interesting to me and you you've you've really taken the the ball and run with it in in a totally different direction into the realm of dreams and the the alien question and and all of that do you have um what are your sort of plans to to take it further um or and what else are some of the lessons that you think you might have gotten from it that you could leave people with? Because I know we just have to wrap things up and uh, mm. really appreciate the time you've, you've shared with me today. I, I'm very much hoping this is part one and hopefully I'll see you somewhere in the BC wilderness camping or hiking someday or spotting UFOs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, uh, I'll, I'll send you an invitation for the next CE5 event. I think that would be uh, a blast. Uh, I, I so. can't leave Canada, but I can travel within it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I'm talking about. So yeah, we're still uh, walking down here, people. So um, well, only the undesirables like me. I, I, same here. Um, <laughs> You're undesirable. Um, so, uh, yeah, the next steps. To be honest, uh, at the end of the at the end of the book of Galactic Light, I kind of was like, oh, okay, maybe I don't have to do Anaki and magic. Maybe I like worked with it. Um, so I put together, I shifted my hypnosis practice from cosmic dream hypnosis to cosmic dream sanctuary. I'm really creating a space uh, of online community of, of using the hypnosis and dream work as like a ministry sort of thing. Um, I mean, in the chance, uh, basically at the end of it, they they were like, oh, just so you know, like you you did the chance. You said you're a minister of God seeking undefiled knowledge. Like we took you at your word. You're committed. Like, I'm like, oh, oh, am I? Okay, so uh, I'll do it, sure. And so that's why Cosmic Dream Sanctuary is a thing. That's why I'm offering services as ministry. That's why I've offered the Book of Galactic Light kind of as a scripture, but even in the Book of Galactic Light, I'm saying like, hey, this is really, I want, I want you to see yourself as priest or channel or whatever. This is not, I'm not like going, hey, this is how it is. This, I really did this work to go like, hey, anyone can do this work. You can really connect in if you want. I mean, if you want to read this stuff, I mean, like I love reading other people's stuff too. So 
by all means, let's share it. But also like it would it would be one of the greatest sadnesses if someone only read my book and didn't reach out for their own communications. It's like, hey, it's here. We need that. The thing that really needs to shift is not an intellectual thing necessarily as a whole body thing. And I see that the interactions with the angelic beings, they, they offer, that's one of their offerings is a sense of entrainment and teaching. It's like they, they have a frequency that comes in, your aura can feel it and you're sitting with it and you're shifting with it. And it's just like relating to like someone who might be like calm or peaceful or knowing, but you change upon interacting with it. It's like, uh, and so that's that's the invitation that I'm trying to bring forward uh, with this work. Um, I did channel them uh, recently. I did, uh, so I, I got to talk to my, I was like, my son is homeschooled. So I, I got really like, sometimes we're good at it. Sometimes we're bad at it. Uh, and so I've homeschooled friends. I know what they're going through. Yeah. I was like, okay, so I, all I need you to do is like relate to an adult teacher three to five times a week, 30 minutes to an hour. That's it. That's all I'm expecting you for school. Like whatever that seems really reasonable. And I was like, I was really charged about it. And I was like, how often do I personally relate to teachers in this way, right? Like I've had this beautiful experience. Uh, they wrote a 400 page book with me, these sort of angelic entities. How often am I actually creating space like that? It was like, not, not that often. Uh, so I reached out to them and they, they, I, I basically, <laughs> this is embarrassing, but I was like, I was like, I wrote these questions out to, to the angels try, trying to trick them into saying, I don't need to study Anakian magic anymore. <laughs> cause it was like, cause it's so complex. Not a lot of people understand it. It's like so much reading and I love it, but like, it's just too much sometimes. And I was like, okay, so now that I'm done, I don't need to understand this or whatever. And they basically were like, well, you don't have to study it in the way that you might expect you have to study it. But we really do want you to be working with the language itself. It really does have a power. Like work with it, understand that the, the path of study uh, is, yeah, is the path of study is like, uh, will not be linear progression. It's sort of this holistic thing, but the Enochian actually is a vibratory, has quality to pierce through the veils. And they say, study, play with it, whatever you can do with it, do it. Um, I'm actually hoping to do more study with it in some way. I'm sort of, I'm trying my best here, <laughs> but well, it's a lot, a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe we can do some things and yeah. make things happen. I, I know, I mean, I, my, my work uh, is continuing. A lot of our works are continuing and yeah, you know, hopefully uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we can, uh, do a little road trip out to, to visit you and we can, uh, do a couple experiments and a video interview for a follow-up before the summer's over because uh, oh, yeah. I certainly I may not be able to leave the country this uh, year after all but I tried to get a ticket to see my, some friends in Austin but they, yeah. you know, there's no leniency even for medical exemptions on leaving the country right now which is you know why I couldn't do the thing um, yeah. um, and uh, so it would be great to get a little trip in you know have uh, so maybe we can maybe we can make that happen. That'd be really cool. It's going to be a beautiful summer. Hopefully not too hot. And uh, yeah. So the language, I'd love to. I mean, there's so many pieces here. We're going to pick up 
yeah. around too, obviously. Um, there's a lot of things about channeling and, and metaphysics I think we could talk about that would be really interesting, um, not to mention just the Enochian language and all of that and the contrast. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I've highlighted a bunch of things in your, uh, in your book and yeah. Yeah, we'll just need more time. There's a reason some of my podcasts go four to six hours. Yeah. Oh, I would love to. I'd love to just go through with like you. You're like you. You have a scholarly understanding of this, and also you have a like a practice understanding. And I would love to just really pull tease that out and it's like, what are the misconceptions we have about D? What are like? Did he use that mirror? Right? Like that kind of question. Yeah. All of these things. How does how does this compare to act? act active historical practice what's going on so i would i would absolutely love diving deeper with you so thank you for having me you're very you're very welcome and thanks to everyone listening you can check us out on hermeticpodcast.com or support me on patreon which i'm now seriously taking seriously uh um i tried to take it seriously a few years ago but then they like froze it and they said we'll keep charging your people but we won't give you the money i was like how's that make sense they were you know they were doing shenanigans there's all these payment shenanigans that go on and stuff especially when you talk about you know forbidden taboo subjects like uh, human consciousness and light and love um so thank you for being here daniel rekshan uh i'll formally end it here and uh people can find you on your youtube and uh daniel uh, what's the the Dreamwell app which everyone should try out yeah, dreamwellbewell.com gets you to the Dream app. Uh, then there is the dseti.org, D-S-E-T-I.org, which is the dream search for extraterrestrial intelligence. This is where a lot of the science is going. Uh, and then there's cosmicdreamsanctuary.org, which is where I offer my hypnosis and dream practice, as well as the free copy of the PDF of the Book of Galactic Lights. So, yeah. Check it out, folks. Cheers.